Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monaghan. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast, powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you're just dreaming about the end of the lockdowns and you want to get away, make sure you visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. My name's Jeremy Monaghan. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. How are you, gentlemen? Very well, thanks, Jeremy. How is it down in, in Sydney? Tough times, I'd imagine. I haven't seen much of Sydney, to be honest. I've seen yeah, plenty no, of my. Uh, I've seen I've seen plenty of my uh, my lounge room, and that's about it. <laughs> there's, there's obviously a TV in your lounge room too, Jess. That there is. Be it's been oh. fixed on the Olympics. Yeah. Lockdown has been tough. I haven't been out much myself. In fact, the uh, the menu menu log delivery guy he's spending more time at my house than my son so uh, I think I'm going to just adopt him and save some money <laughs> very good it looks, now, like, it looks like you gave a bit of lip with his last delivery too <laughs> there it is let's have a look oh less than two minutes in it started there was a clear right hook to the left, <laughs> the left temple lower eye, <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> it's actually a, it's actually an infected tear jack from, from crying those tears of joy, Jay, tears of joy from those nine wins in a row. <laughs> very good. <laughs> nice comeback, Shannon. Excellent. Well, we've got a very special guest on with us this week, and as always, we play a little bit of uh, introduction music, and of course. This man is the Rabbitohs assistant coach and the incoming head coach of the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. Please welcome Jason Demetriou. Hey. How are you, JD? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, yeah, it's been a good last week. Had the families here, obviously joined us last week out of quarantine and uh, I suppose just in, enjoying the ride at the moment. As Shane mentioned, nine wins in a row. So travelling along nicely and starting to get excited for the the, the big games coming up. You mentioned the families coming in there. Did you see a noticeable lift amongst the boys once their families came back into the camp? Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, those ones with young kids as well, especially the Origin boys who've been away from their partners for an extra two weeks than the, than the rest of us. So yeah, it was, this gives a whole different vibe to the resort as well. It does become more of a resort rather than a, a hub, I suppose, when the families joined us and uh, there's a lot more getting around, a lot more sociable place, but, um, you know, the Rabbitohs staff, I think Brock and Ella have done a great job in making sure the players, partners and, and everyone settle really well. And, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, at the start of this journey, winning's going to make it enjoyable. And um, fortunately for us, we're getting the job done at the moment. And have you noticed um, with the families coming into camp and your your family joined us that, that the bromance between Ella and Brock has just grown even stronger since then? And honestly, I, I, they never out of their room. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I, I think they've forgotten lockdown is finished. <laughs> no judgment. Uh, actually, JD, I didn't see you at the gym at 6am this morning, mate. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see photo evidence of that. Hello, that's 
Benno's walking into the gym classes he's training either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got lost on his way to the kitchen. <laughs> oh, 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 you're back, Benno. You're back. Good to see be no room if I had to go through your kitchen. That's the thing. Oh. going on down here at the moment. Who, who, who tucking who in at night? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think Brock's got a little cot beside Ella's bed, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He was supposed to be at the gym at 6 a.m. this morning. I still haven't heard from him or seen him. Oh, dear. <laughs> Very good. Righto. Let's get on to our uh, first discussion point, and it's something that you've learned this week. What about you, Ella? Something I've learned this week that, that disappoints me, Jeremy. I mean, we look at the game, and there's so many blokes playing the game now that think they're the, the tough blokes in the game, like because they're sledging blokes that can't, if they fire back at them as a result of a sledge, you know they they get they get you know fired up at the judiciary and suspended. Now, you know back in that there's always been sledging in the game and it needs to be there. It's it's active. It's a bit of fun in the game and it does fire teams up. But when you're getting sledging from blokes and carrying on and making a big thing about it, you know, and then then there's you know. 10 blokes come into what they call a melee. We used to bag the AFL about melees, mm. okay? And it's happening in our game. And, you know, I might be getting old, I don't know, but I'm just over it. Like, sure, if you have a sledge, fair enough. And if, if you're being sledged, just why do they run the ball next time and get back into them? You know, that's the old saying always. But these blokes making out, you know, carrying on with the sledge and, and you know, making it evident that they're doing it. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to achieve because mm. all they're doing is saying, well, I can sledge him. If he does something back at me, he can't punch me. So if he punches me, he's sent off. So there's there's a few blokes that, you know, and it's been happening for a while now. You know, these blokes that think they're pretty tough, tough guys in the game, but, but you know, they just wouldn't live. I say back in the day, they wouldn't have lived and they wouldn't do what they're doing now because, they open themselves up, you know. Mm. If that if they're in a bar or on the street, they wouldn't say that to a bloke from the opposition, mm. you know, because you know they wouldn't get smacked in the mouth. Mm. And I, I think it's just just ridiculous. And what it's done the whole week, it's been in the newspapers and in the news. Mm. And there's other stuff going in the game that's much better, mm. and it doesn't get reported. So yeah. anyway, that's what I've learned. That's my gripe for the week. Nice, hello. Strong start. Over to Shannon. Well, I just want to finish up with Ella. Ella made a couple of few good points. One of the things he said, I might be getting old and grumpy. And yes, you are, Ella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the second good point you made <laughs> was the sledging. Um, you know, it, it is. They're just just words, and you've got to be big enough to be. Imagine you and I took offence every time we sledged each other on here. Honestly, it'd be like Royal Rumble, and um, you'd have two black eyes today, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. If we were suspended, there would be a podcast for six years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen LA fight if he, if he and I took each other on. I did say I'd be ducking and weaving his handbag left, right, and centre. <laughs> <laughs> on all the time. No, I think you make I think you make good points, hello. And the first one is you are getting old. So well done. Um, what I've learned this week. 
I've learned that there's no substitute for speed. You know, I was watching the Olympics and, you know, the Australian 100-metre sprinter, uh, Rowan Browning, ran a 10.05. It was, I mean, the, the entire Australian Olympic team made us all so proud. It was just a great event. It came at just the right time for most of Australia in lockdown and it was just inspirational um, watching the Australians and how well we performed in the game. But just looking at some of those athletes for speed, it's just um, it's unbeatable. And I, I, you know, from, went from watching the Olympics to watching... The game on the weekend, and um, I thought Josh played really strongly. Josh Means, so I thought he had a really good game. But a couple of times he put away, and I thought, oh, if AJ was there, you know, he would have scored an extra couple of tries. And I know we we flogged him, but just that speed is priceless, you know. Um, and you know, we go down that left edge, and Josh is, you know, he's got a lot of great attributes. He's physical and he's strong, but AJ's speed is irreplaceable. You know, they put him away a couple of times, and AJ probably would have went in for tries. So. I think that's going to be critical. And I, obviously, um, you know, we've got to have those guys for the big games in the finals. And probably doesn't matter whether you come second or third. And we're pretty much guaranteed second or third now. Hello, um, JD, you tell me if this is wrong. But being guaranteed second or third, I would imagine that, um, you know, you're going to make 100% sure of guys like AJ with his Emmy and Stretch and, and those guys because really we're, we've pretty much got second or third sewn up and we've got bigger fish to fry in the in the semis. Would that be right, Jens? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's not a matter of thinking you've got it sewn up. Um, I think it's more about the fact that we don't have to risk it. Um, we're still going out there. We want to we want to improve on our performances each week. We want to gain momentum going into finals. Uh, if we can do that then um, you know we'll be happy. But we're definitely not in a point where we need to risk players. The other thing too, Shannon, on that is that it's not as critical to finish second or third because you play whoever the opponent is anyway and there's no home ground up at stake this year because it, you know, it's, it's 99% sure we'll be staying up here in Queensland. And I'd imagine that the, the big games will be played at Suncorp because they'll attract a bigger crowd. So there's no home ground advantage at, at stake. You know, so anywhere, you know, that's why just finishing in the top four is so important, as it always is. Um, yeah, so second or third, first or fourth, I don't think it matters that much this year. Yeah, and and on top of that, I guess, you know, we've got three over 3,500 members in southeast Queensland, and I'm sure that's a lot more than Penrith have got. And so if anything, technically, if it's their home final or our home final, and, you know, we've even played Titans up there, uh, up at the Gold Coast, and had just as many, if not more, supporters than them. So I would imagine come finals time, we're going to have the lion's share of the supporters there. So uh, it should, for all intents and purposes, feel like our home final, that, that first final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a big chance it will. And it, and it goes back to what the club's been trying to do over a number of years now, to, to broaden our membership base. And, you know, it's, it's ironic that, we might be in a position to really you know, gather momentum as a result of what we've been doing over many years. Good point. Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong, but was your next question, will you be resting Cookie, Benji and Peter Mamazellis over the next <laughs> few weeks so there's a chance you get a run? <laughs> you know me too well, Drew. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. We've got Sean Gallagher headed down. <laughs> <laughs> so did all the coaches when I was playing, you know? <laughs> Very good. Uh, JD, what have you learnt this week? Uh, I've learnt that it, 
the NRL is a brutal place for young halfbacks. Isn't uh, it what? Uh, you know, three of our rising stars build up by the press over the last 18 months and two years, and Brody Croft, uh, Tom Dearden, and uh, Kyle Flanagan, um, and all in, in, in out of form and, and looking for clubs. So um, what I suppose I've learned as a future head coach is the importance of investing time in these guys and, and making sure that they got the right people around them to, to be successful because, um, you know, they can, can quickly go from hero to zero, which is a, which is a shame because they're obviously three very talented young kids and still got a lot of footy ahead of them, but uh, there's a lot of pressure on those young blokes now. And unfortunately, in this day and age that you mentioned the media um, scrutiny these guys are under, some people have that motivation is to put these young blokes under pressure and see if they crack, which is really unfortunate rather than boosting them up and trying to help them on their way to a positive career. Yes, it's a a difficult one because, you know, you want them to feel that pressure and embrace it and learn how to deal with it. But at the same time, they've got to have the tools and the things around them that give them the opportunity I suppose the freedom to express themselves. Um, you know, you coming in, you come into a winning team, and you've got one player coming up. Pete Mamozelis is a great example for us who came in and the team was running well. He came in, simple job, got his job done, and, and showed that he could handle NRL. But you know, if you're coming into a side that's at the bottom of the table, is not winning games, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Bailey Biondiado was a good example for the Bulldogs on the weekend. Who well, I thought showed some great touches, but. Uh, the, the negative press towards him because, again, Bulldogs get beat. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing for those young guys. And, uh, hopefully they've got strong people around them and strong clubs that can, can help them get through that stuff. Yeah, very tough for the young blokes. Now, for me, uh, something I've learnt this week, it's quite simple. The weather's starting to get a bit warmer down here in Sydney at the moment, and that means finals time's just around the corner. So it's uh, a bit of a... Pardon the pun, but a ray of sunlight <laughs> down here in these uh, in these lockdown times here in uh, here in Sydney. Not that we get to see a, a lot of the sunlight, but um, yeah, it's starting to get warmer, and that means finals are just around the corner. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm interested on um, LOs and JDs feedback here, but I know as a player, um, it's even subconsciously when you feel it warmer, and and you can even smell the sort of grass in the air this time of year, and that kind of stuff. Subconsciously, you realise it's finals time. Like when it when it gets warmer, you just associate that with the the finals time this this time of year. Was that the case for for you guys? Yeah, definitely. You always knew it was getting warmer, but when you when you got to the playoff series, you you just realised it was a different level. You know, everything was on the line and everything was at stake, and and you can prepare for it. You know, leading into it, but it's when, when you get there, it's a it's a remarkable feeling, and it's um, you know it, it's something to savor. And I've got to say, just from personal experience, as I've mentioned before, the you know the, the fact the fact that you know we didn't get all the way back when I was playing, and we were very close on a couple of occasions. It does, you know, it sits there. You, you get to that stage, and you want to win it. Everyone does, and. You carry it with you when you don't when you don't do it. I must say. Mm. What about you, JD? You can feel it's finals time coming up. Yeah, for sure. You can. I think the, the things you start noticing is that when training's up finished and the boys will sit out for a bit longer in the sun and um, you know start to go down to the beach for recovery. You know, when we're in Sydney, especially that's when you know the the weather's warming up and the boys are starting to get excited. They've got through the 
toughest part mentally of the season and now they, they start to lift again. So, yeah, that, it's important for us that we, you know, we start looking forward to that, but also keep one eye on, on what we're doing over the next four weeks. Um, you know, as a coach, it's, you know, a lot can, can happen in four weeks. It's important that we just keep going. Uh, when the finals come, we'll, we'll know that we've hit the ground running and we're ready to go. Very good. Right, well, let's get into our first top four topic of the morning. And, of course, it's the top four of JD. Get to know our incoming head coach a little bit better. And, JD, can you talk to us about growing up in uh, in Sydney and your family? And did you come from a big family? Uh, I come from my dad's Greek, my mum's English. Got one older brother and a younger sister. Um, yeah, my dad's side, had, he's got four, five, five, four siblings. My mum had five siblings as well, so lots of cousins, all that sort of stuff, all pretty much in and around Sydney, um, from the St George area, the Bankstown and Western Sydney, but yeah, pretty much grew up in the, the St George and Western Sydney area. Um, yeah, loved it, started playing footy when I was six, um, loved it ever since, I suppose. What was your junior club down there in Dragons Territory? Uh, the mighty Hurstville United Struggos, mate. <laughs> there we go. I grew up in South Hurstville. So yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, not far from that, that area. And you went to yeah, Kingsgrove right. High, is that right? I did, yep. yep. Yeah. Kingsgrove High, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, went with a lot of guys who went on and, and did some good things. At Lance Thompson and, and Mundine came, obviously, for uh, to play footy, not much schoolwork. Yeah. Uh, chocolate. <laughs> um, he, was, he was good there. Footy training days, he was around. But, um, yeah, no, it was a... Yeah, normal Sydney childhood stays growing up and running around doing the things that you do and played a lot of touch footy as I got older and headed out to Canola Way and um, I suppose that's why I've ended up out there now. Yeah, one of my doing? one of my claims to fame was um, when I was eight years old in uh, year three, I had a punch up with Lance Thompson over one of those plastic soccer balls you used to be able to buy at the service stations. I went, I went to primary school with uh, with Tom <laughs> And I think I played, when I was in high school, I played against um, Kingsgrove High and like Buckley Shield or something like that. Yeah. I remember playing against Chock and Tomo and, and a few others. So, um, yeah, they were a strong team, Kingsgrove. Where'd you go? I went to Sydney Technical Boys High School in Bexley. Yeah, good. We weren't, we weren't known for our footy ability, let me tell you that much. You had a great pool, though. We used to break in there all the week. <laughs> Don't worry, we did have a great pool. Because I wouldn't feel too bad hearing the, the alumni of Kingsgrove High School. They weren't known for their academic ability either. So. <laughs> I think Willie yeah. Pete. You played with Willie Peters at school as well? Did I? Yeah. No, I'd left school by then. Oh, Willie had you? School. Yeah, yeah. Willie, Willie came and uh, I just left as Willie started. Right. Um, I left at the start of year 12 because I realised I'd done nothing in year 11, so it's probably best to try to go get a job now. Um, <laughs> yeah, then Willie started there and a couple other South Studios kids, Lil Gretch and guys like that joined the school. So, uh, again, it was not an academic decision <laughs> from them boys. <laughs> <laughs> And was footy always on the horizon for you? Was that always an option for for a career? Oh, it's always what you wanted to do, what you mm. dreamt of, but I don't think I took the path serious enough as I, as a teenager, especially in my late teens or early teens. Uh, it wasn't until I started getting a bit older and uh, started realising what I, what I needed to do to get where I, where I wanted to go. But um, the other side of it was I was tiny. You know, I didn't mature until I was 17, 18. I got left behind a bit in the old gross third stakes, but... Um, you know, those type of things, I suppose, maybe reflect a bit more on young players now coming through and 
make sure they have time to everyone matures at different ages mm-hmm. and we put them all in the same age bracket expect them to be the same but um you know it was yeah I, I suppose when i look back at you know i was enjoying my teen years and not probably focusing on the footy as much as i should have um but yeah look, i can't complain i'm pretty happy with the journey that i've that's got me to this point now JD, um, speaking about, um, you know, enjoying the footy and having fun footy, but sort of maybe lack of uh, academic ability, uh, which I'm not accusing you of, by the way, but Elo wanted me to ask a question because he was a bit too embarrassed to ask himself. He, he, was just, he wanted to know where, where the nickname JD came from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. Someone called at me one day. I don't understand where it came from, but I think I used to like drinking Jack Daniels. I thought it came from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually a two-pronged question because, hello, you know, not, not, not understanding where the nickname came from, he also asked, how do you spell it? <laughs> I've got to say, right. Shannon, I we all you. know where your nickname of Yamsha comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Shani, you got to keep your gloves up. Yeah. Oh, don't drop him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Jay. Hang, hang on, his right eye's starting to puff up a bit too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was hoping I'd get some relief. Come on, back to JD. <laughs> now, talk us through your senior footy, JD. Didn't reach the heights in Australia, but had the opportunity to head across to the UK and, and really make a name for yourself over there. Yeah, I did. I started playing some good footy around that 18, 19 years old. and. I had a couple of opportunities as a 20-year-old to, to go to a couple of NRL clubs and then Super League, ARL war kicked off and age groups changed and reserve grade got dropped and all those type of things were happening at the time. So I sort of missed the boat a little bit there. And then uh, Grant James, who former employee at the Rabbitohs, suggested that I go over to England. And, yeah, I had a year to go on my trade as a, as a printer, so I finished that and then packed my bags and uh, got a one-way ticket uh, over to England. and. I suppose the rest is history. Yeah, I started out there as pretty much nothing and I worked my way through the lower grades in the, in the Super League and uh, went on to have a, a pretty good Super League career. And I suppose it's a journey you look back on now that, you know, had I not had that pathway, I wouldn't be sat where I'm sat today. So, um, you know, a lot of things happen for a reason. I, I got to do what I love to do for, for nine years over there in, in Super League and it gave me the profile to, to start coaching as well. So it's pretty grateful for what the game gave me over there. Yeah, what are some of the highlights from your, your Super League, Tom? I believe a, a million-pound game was uh, a pretty special one for you. Yeah, it was in a weird way because you're celebrating mediocrity. But, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we, we finished in the finals um, a couple of years before that and we were starting to turn this, the, the club around and then had a shocking start with injuries at the start of 2006. And over there, when it comes to relegation, if you start your season bad, the press get on your back and all of a sudden it, it can spiral downhill pretty quickly, and which it did. Our coach uh, ended up getting the sack, and um, which was probably needed at the time. And a guy called John Key came in, and we had six games to uh, survive. I suppose we were we were five points below Castleford um, with six games to go, and we needed to win. We thought four or six to stay up. Uh, bear in mind, we'd won six of twenty-two leading into that point, so um, it was a fair ask. But yeah. Anyway, culminated in the last game of the year where we played Castle with our arch rivals. One of us was staying up and the other one was going down and uh, it was a packed house, huge TV audience, one of the biggest games I played in, which is, again, bizarre because 
you're fighting to survive rather than to win a premiership. But mm. um, yeah, great experience. Uh, I was fortunate to score a try, and uh, it's in a bit of folklore history, I suppose, over there now. But yeah, mate, it was a, it was a great game to be involved in because of what we achieved in that six games. And um, one of the things we spoke about was not on our watch. We didn't want the club to go down on, on our watch, and um, as a group of men, we were committed to making sure whatever it took, we were prepared to do that. And, Ultimately, that's that's why we survived. But it, it led on to good things. We then started to build again over the next couple of years and, and made finals in 2009 and then uh, led the league in 2010 as well at the first quarter of the season until they sold half our players. But um, that's the English game for you. Mm. <laughs> but no, it was, you know, I loved it. You know, I was probably one of the, if the, I think the only guy to go over there with no NRL experience to captain a Super League club. So it's something I'm pretty proud of. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's the things you look back on when you finish that I suppose, yeah, you hold it closest to you. Hello, you had as equally a glittering career in the UK. Sorry. So I was just saying you had equally as glittering a career in the UK. Who's that? You. Oh, yeah. At Doncaster. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I played five what games. memories are you? <laughs> five games and a broken arm, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, can I just say... You broke the... heart too, Jade. <laughs> Your broken arm ended up looking like JD's ankle. I'm amazed that you can walk on that thing, JD, I tell you. It's getting harder every day, JD. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it shows the ankle, I'm sure. And... <laughs> um... Just talking about JD and, you know, the, the pressure and the excitement playing in the million-pound game. Elo, unfortunately, in his English career, never got to play in a million-pound game. But he has a, a million-pound event every morning uh, in Australia. It's When he jumps on the bathroom scales, it's a million-pound event every morning. <laughs> yeah, at, least, at least mine don't break, Shannon. <laughs> yeah, the industrial scales are very sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it back seriously, JD. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you've mentioned to me before the story when you first got over to England, it wasn't all rosy straight away. Can you share a little bit of that experience with us? Yeah, I suppose when I first got there, I didn't have a club, so I was working my way through and trying to get an overseas spot at one of the championship clubs. But uh, I suppose the, the most important story is when I, my wife joined us, uh, who's my girlfriend at the time, three months after I first got there, and I'd spent the money that I'd had delivering yellow pages to uh, get us a place to live. And then um, we pretty much had nothing. We were living on chips and gravy for dinner and Vegemite toast for breakfast, no lunch. And, um, you know, she, she got a job uh, she te- as a te- through the teaching agency and she went to uh, – she had to get a day's work the next day. We didn't have money to get petrol to get to where she needed to get to in Preston. So she went into the service station and filled the car up, <laughs> our 350-pound car, handed it. Handed her license and her watching and said, "I'm sorry, mate, but I'll, I'll be back at the end of the day when I get my, some pay and I'll pay you." Wow! English blokes are like what? Yeah, she came back and he was surprised when she came back. He thought he had an Aussie license and a watch to keep, but um, yeah, it's just things like that. I suppose you look back on now; it's a pretty crazy journey. Um, but at the time, we were just doing what you did. You know, it's took us out of our comfort zone, and you know. It became more than about footy. You, know, you had to, I suppose, prioritise what you were doing, and uh, but it, you know, made the end result more sweeter, I suppose. 
Mm. And you, you mentioned before your your coaching journey and how that kicked off over in the UK, and that also brought you home after that, and you teamed up with a fellow Rabbitoh up at uh, the Northern Pride. Yes, yeah. Brock Schaefer was there at the time. Um, first year he was, uh, what was he doing there? He was, um, yeah, that's what we think these days too. Yeah. I'm trying to think of his at the time. Commercial manager, that's it. Commercial manager. And then he ended up being the CEO of the year we, we won the comp and he got promoted, I mean, got, uh, won the state championship as well. But, yeah, you know, I, I love my time in Cairns um, as a young coach. Obviously, to be able to be a head coach in the, in the Queensland Cup was pretty good. Um, but also to go to an area where they just love their footy mm. up there in, in North Queensland. It's such a big sport up there, both the local juniors and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the Indigenous players that you come in contact with over there, up there, are pretty, pretty special as well. So um, that was a great two years. Um, yeah, and when you get into coaching, you're just taking it year by year and see where it goes. But to be able to do it, as, as a profession uh, over the last 10 or 12 years, sometimes it, it, it's such a brutal job. It's hard to, it's hard to do that. But uh, I think the grounding I got at Northern Pride uh, under Chris Shepard and, and Brock was a great way to, to start my Australian journey for sure. We spoke to Brock a couple of weeks ago about the fact that you guys were there on that magical day in October in 2014 when the, the Rabbitohs broke the drought, but you guys didn't see one second of the NRL game to be part of it with us. Yeah, no, they, they do a good job on you there. They give you one ticket, but that's for you if you want to sit in the stand. So um, none of your family or anything can come to the game. So we just went, no, we're, the boys are just keen to get. The truth, the truth is it's a public holiday in Queensland. So on the next the next morning, it's Sunday night at Gilligan's in Cairns is, uh, is as good as it gets. So the boys are pretty keen to get straight on the flight and get back to Gilligan's. Um, well, they had they had one detour on the way, JD. They had to find the bookies who gave them four to one. Six to one. L-O, six to oh, one. Sorry, six to one. <laughs> yeah, I must have got the wrong bookie, JD. <laughs> you got unders, L-O. Way unders. <laughs> six to one. Underdogs we were. I, mean, I, I, I never mentioned it at all to the playing group. Put <laughs> <laughs> your money in your pocket back at Gilligan's, I'm sure. But, um, w- one of the things that um, we haven't really touched on, JD, you coached that side. You did such a great job to win not only the Q Cup and the and the national championship, as you said, but we had, the pride that side actually played us in a tr- in a trial at um, Redfern Oval or the Imark High Performance Centre, as it is now, and. Almost, but it ended up a draw. But you guys were in front towards the back end of that game. That's how good, a, how well drilled you had that side. That we we had the NRL Premiership winning side, and you guys went toe to toe with us in a in a preseason trial in the following year in the beginning of 2015. Yeah, mate. I, like I said, I spent two years there, and I had a really good core group of senior players. That um, I suppose you know, even this year with our reserve grade, it's really important to have those senior guys in your in your part time squads because. They battle hard and they know what it takes to to get the job done against men. And um, you know, I had a core cool group of guys that were really good local boys that loved playing for the club as well. And underneath that, we had a sprinkling of some pretty talented kids as well. And what they wouldn't have had when they came down to to Sydney was they wouldn't have had their Cowboys allocation as well. So that that was pretty much a part time team. Which um, you know, I said at the time, I, I don't think I've coached a better part time team or been involved in a better part time team in, in my time or seen one as well. So. And that was one of the things we prided ourselves on, that if we didn't have anyone from the Cowboys, we still, we still 
backed ourselves to be able to beat whoever we played against. And, um, you know, that, that was the mindset they had. Then it was off to the, the Cowboys for you and an NRL premiership. That must have been pretty special to be part of all that up there. Yeah, it was a crazy 12 months. Um, yeah, just momentum grew that year. Uh, as it does, as you guys know, when you when you win a comp, it, it sort of builds as the season goes. And uh, we lost, I think we lost our first three. Uh, started the season, bookie favourites, lost our first three and then finally beat Melbourne in a golden point um, winner. And JT kicked a field goal that started our season off and then we won 11 straight. But yeah, once we got in the finals, I think we lost our first finals game against Brisbane and a narrow loss and then um, went on to win the next two and beat Melbourne in a prelim in Melbourne, which was a huge game for us. Um, not many teams go down to Melbourne and beat them in the prelim. So, um, you know, it set up a all-Queensland final and I still think, you know, I'm a, it was a Tigers tragic as a kid. So the 89 grand final was a, was a big one, but, you know, that probably up there as a, as a finishing spectacle. And, um, yeah, I, I still, it's still surreal to me when I look back on it in the box because you're just constantly looking at the clock and the minutes were counting down and thought, oh, it's over. And then uh, Michael Morgan and, and Kyle Felt combined to score that try and, um, you know, all the drama around JT hitting the post. And you know, the, the, the funny thing about that was Kyle Felt was played three games at the start of the year, got dropped and was unseen for about four months of the season and came back with three games to go and ended up being the grand final hero. So, um, yeah, it was a crazy year. But just coming back to Townsville, Five, six thousand people at the airport, ten to twelve thousand at, at the stadium was was unbelievable. And um, you know, to be involved in the first premiership for the club was was pretty special. You would have had a bit of time with Cole Felt at the Pride too, wouldn't you, when you were coaching there? Yeah, I think that's what made it pretty special as well. Yeah. Is that I was probably involved with five or six of those guys that had come into first grade over the last two or three years. Um, you know, Cole Felt, Ethan Lowe. Um, you know, there was you know, quite a few of them that had, had come and got Bolton, blokes like that had spent time with us. And, um, yeah, so I suppose it made it a little bit more special. And, um, you know, they're so hard to win. You know, they don't uh, – I know the average supporter probably doesn't understand it, but there's so much that goes into winning a premiership and it's not just about the talent. You know, it's about the timing. It's about staying healthy, all the little things that matter. And, um, you know, that's what I was saying before about the next four weeks for us is making sure we're ticking boxes and getting to that point where we're ready to make a good charge. Mm. And then a shift down south back to the Dragons where it was all starting for you as a as a young bloke and, and another premiership with the Cutters. Yeah, it was a, it was, I suppose when I look back at it, it was a interesting decision to leave a premiership winning team and then go and coach uh, in the New South Cup again. But I felt like I still had more time that I needed to do as a head coach. And um, when I look back now, it was the best decision I made because I came in a different environment again where it, it's more of genuine reserve growth than New South Wales Cup. You know, at Pride, we would have, we averaged just about three and a half players per game that came back from the Cowboys over the course of the season. And then you're coming into Sydney competition where you've got sometimes a full team, 12, 13 full-timers and trying to manage the part-timers who don't get a lot of game time. And, the disappointment of first graders who aren't playing first grade. So that, that again, was a real good learning curve for me in terms of the dynamic that goes with it and understanding how NRL clubs run in Sydney. And, yeah, again, our season built. Um, yeah, we were fortunate and had a great run. And, yeah, I, I joke now that, you know, I was on three in a row at the time and 
in all levels in the top tier in, in Australia. And then I joined Wayne Bennett. It's been a dry spell ever since. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Obviously, a joke. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's yeah. To get the opportunity, then from that, that's what gave me the opportunity to, for Wayne to call and um, yeah, to spend the next five years under the the master has been huge and it's given me a lot of confidence for what's coming in the future. How important do you see it that you've done that apprenticeship head coaching at the the lower levels? Because we've seen a mixture of that over some of the more modern-day coaches that have come in. We had Madge here who had that experience of going across to the UK and coaching at, at Wigan. But then you've seen other guys like Adam O'Brien that haven't had that head coaching experience at, at those senior levels and have gone straight in from an assistance role. How important do you see it that you've had that chance to coach your own teams? Oh, I think it's massive. I think you, you have to have it. Uh, NRL is too brutal to be learning on the run. Mm. Um, you know, and you, you do make mistakes. The coach I was coaching Keith Lee Cougars as a head coach in 2012 was very different to the coach I am now. And that's because of that five years experience as a head coach. And assistant coaching is very different. Um, I've been fortunate <coughs> under Wayne to have uh, a, probably a bit different role as most assistant coaches have. And um, but in saying that, it's still, you know, I'm not the head coach. It's very, you, you're sort of like the big brother, I suppose, who's gets to pat you on the back and make you feel good that you're not the guy who's making the tough decisions and um, being front and centre of, of everything that goes on. So uh, for me, that experience as a head coach is, is vital. And, you know, it was interesting because I spoke to um, you know, Brian Canavan the other day who's heading up the Coaches Association and, that was one of the things I mentioned was that I, I think there needs to be a pathway or a requirement that you know, future head coaches spend some time as head coaches mm. you know, before they get opportunities. And it's not a matter of you've got to do it or you don't. It's, it's a matter of looking out for those guys and giving them the experience they need because ultimately that's what you're going to be judged on. And you know, if, you're not, if you're not got that pathway, within two years you could be out of a job and never get a job again. Mm. Um, yeah, for me, I, I agree with that too, JD. Because I, since the game has become professional, I don't, you know, it goes back, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years off the top. Now I can't remember when it actually started, but a lot of the a lot of the coaches had had formal training and education being teachers. Okay, a lot of them PE teachers, which is significant for coaches. You know, it's sort of a good basis to start from. Now, that's gone out of the game because players are professional now and they haven't had that grounding. So it's really important to, for the game to make sure that there is a pathway there, as you're saying, for young coaches coming through, or we won't get the quality of the coaches we've had, you know, as a result of, you know, through experience and stuff like that. Some people, even people are natural educators, natural teachers, just by their personality and nature, but still... As you're saying, I think you need that that grounding in it, and even you know, some sort of, you know, I, I think the the game could set up some formal sort of education with some of the the past coaches that have that have coached and aren't doing it now. You know, I reckon that's a, that would be a good place to start. I think for us, the model's already there. If you look over the last few years at Premiership winning coaches, that they've had that background. You mentioned Madge before in his time and then Trent Robinson obviously coached at Catalan. Paul Green spent three, four years coaching Wynnum as a head coach. Um, you know, and even Wayne, you know, Wayne didn't come into the NRL straight away. He coached it uh, in, in the Brisbane competition for a number of years as a head coach before he came into the NRL. And, you know, 
there's no better story than that. He's been doing it for the last yeah. nearly 40 years. So, uh, look, I think the problem is in today's world where everyone wants everything quickly. Um, you know, they want what comes with it and the, the, all the, I suppose the money and the things that come with being a head coach. But, um, you know, you need to do your trade. No one, no one walks in and gets starts building a house without doing a trade. So mm. um, I think as a game, we've probably got to invest in our young coaches a bit more and, and make yeah. sure they're getting the experience they need. It's interesting yeah. the different approaches. Like there's there's guys that do jump at the first opportunity that they get similar to someone like an Adam O'Brien when that position at the Knights came up, he he went for it and there was obviously reported issues at the, the Roosters. He'd made promises to stay there and didn't, but he saw that opportunity and didn't want to miss it. And then you've got a, another guy like a Craig Fitzgibbon, which reportedly has knocked back head coaching opportunities to make sure that he had done the grounding and, had, and takes the right opportunity that he sees for him, which he's doing with the the Sharks next year. So it's, it, as you say, some people do want to rush into it and take the first opportunity that comes their way and you hope that uh, it doesn't burn people up and chew them up and spit them out too quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, one, the other thing that probably people don't factor in is there's only 16 jobs. Yeah. So when one comes available and you're, you're in the frame for it, it's, it's pretty hard to say no. Mm. Uh, I think Fitzy had been at a club he played for and had a outstanding relationship with and was well thought of and probably well paid as well. So he had probably a few more luxuries than other coaches have that to be able to be patient and wait for that right time. And then obviously the salary cap's a huge one as well. Um, you know, if you look at Dean Pay for argument's sake, who got the opportunity to coach at Bulldogs and spent two years in a horrendous position due to cap constraints. Yeah. Um, and then never got to see the the fruits of what he sacrifices he'd made through the cap over the last two years. And uh, now, you know, obviously Trent comes in and he's got a, a better cap to work with and has been able to attract players. So, um, you know, again, it's those sort of things that you have to weigh up. And there's the type of things that I suppose I sit here now quite blessed at, at the club I've been given an opportunity at um, because of the way the club's run and the position that it's in. And um, it's definitely made things a, a lot easier as well. What is it about coaching, JD, that makes you want to be a coach? I've always looked at the, the head coaches, particularly since Madge arrived, and there's just something special inside coaches that makes them want to be a coach, put themselves under that, that pressure and thrive in that environment. What is it with you that drives you to be a, a coach? I, I think there's two sides of it to me. It's that tactical and technical challenge as well and breaking opposition teams down and finding ways that, um, you can grow your team that is going to be successful. Uh, that's probably one of the exciting things that I get out of it. But the best thing I get out of it is just the reward you get from knowing that you've helped young men. Um, you know, the, 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 I look at blokes like Harme Sele, for argument's sake, who um, you know, was on the scrap heap, trained on his own in the park in Riverwood and um, you know, believed him as a player and as, as a young man. And we got him into, into our system and, and our club and he's thrives since that and, and as we've seen prior to him getting injured, playing some outstanding footy in first grade. And that, those little stories are, you know, Cody Walker's a great example as well, you know, who, who, a player who's battled his way through through the lower tiers and then finally got a crack and over the last two or three years is now one of the best players in the competition. So mm. to be involved with those guys and, and play a part is something that I suppose is, is more important than the actual wins and losses. But ultimately the excitement of of competing is is what drives us as well. 
I guess that's a that's a similar story with the the recruitment of Anthony Milford for next year. You've worked with Anthony at the at the Broncos, and you obviously see something in him that you think you can get him back to his his best footy with a new environment at South. Yeah, Anthony's a good example of that because I, I know that he trains hard. I know that he's accountable for for his performances, and I know that in our club and our and our culture that he'll he'll get the opportunity to be the best version of himself. There won't be any. Um, problems in terms of wh- whether he's got a roster around him, what type of role he has to play. You know, he'll mm. he'll fit into what what we need, and and the type of player he is will suit what we can offer. So, you know, again, but it comes down to Anthony at the end of the day. It's 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 a calculated risk because we know he can play for you. Mm. You know, it's not like signing a young guy that you believe in, it's got potential, and you you're going to try to get that out of him over the next couple of years. This is a guy who. Uh, at his best, he's one of the most elite players in our game. And mm. um, I'm excited for the fact that he gets to join our club. And, um, you know, it was a no-brainer for him as well. I think I think that's a pat on the back to our club that he sees South Sydney as a place where he can get his career going again. He's backed himself. He's got a 12-month deal. He knows what's on the line. Um, and that, that excites me for players. You know, there was a, it was never about going to the negotiating table and competing with other clubs. It was this is what... The opportunity is if you want it, it's there, and he wants it, and that's that's exciting for the coach. Yeah, excellent. Now we're all looking forward to that. Now, back to you. Now, explain this to me. You said your father's Greek, your mother's English, but then my research tells me you represented Canada twice. How yeah. does this happen? Uh, well, my mum's parents are English, but my my nan uh, was born in Canada, so they her father used to travel six months on, six months off in England and in Canada uh, and, and for work and happened that she was born over there in Alberta. Um, she loved it, always grew up telling me that she was Canadian, even though she wasn't. But, um, yeah, so, again, the opportunity came to play in the, the Emerging Nations in the World Cup and, well, what an experience that was. Um, I, remember, I remember I played against, um, we got, we turned up to get our gear and, they give us shorts with these like ruggers with pockets in them and big long sleeve cotton jumpers. And the first game we played against America, they, America, we defended the first set. They kicked it down the end, and the fullback picked it up and kicked it down the other end out of the full. He thinks he's playing Union, so he's just rucking the ball back down the other end. Of the <laughs> this is going to be a fun two weeks. Um, but again, I just yeah, I love that there were some Canadian guys there that just wanted to try something and do something new. And they're actually quite physical and good athletes. So uh, we ended up beating Japan in, a, in one of the most funniest games I've ever played in. Um, you know, the Japanese could move the ball, but they just run and bit of Mr. Miyagi hit you and fall off. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I, you know, again, that's what our game gives us. It gives us the opportunity to meet new people and, and I suppose as a player who's been in the game for long to, to give back to people who, who don't understand what our game offers. And, um, yeah, it's a shame the World Cup's not going ahead this year um, in terms of that, but it's great that it, we've got it on and in the right way in 2022. Uh, it's very good. Very. Good. We often have a joke with uh, Shannon about his illustrious international career. He captained Italy, which he's very proud of, and uh, it's going to lead into our top four topic later on in the show but um yeah i couldn't work out how you'd represented canada do you know the national anthem no <laughs> I, did, I did work i did learn it at the time but um yeah it was, what was it 2000 so it was 21 years ago now yeah i don't 
don't remember it anymore. But um, half of them spoke French too, which was a bit weird. Oh yeah. Mm. So, yeah, half of them had broken English and spoke French, and the other half had strong Canadian American type accents. But the best part was that the managers were trying to get everyone to pay for their gear, even though the RFL had already paid for it. So, <laughs> 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 the manager of that team, was he? <laughs> <laughs> did he have his, did he have his leather, leather bag? Yeah, his leather bag. <laughs> I paid my way through high school, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you're also a family man. You mentioned taking your girlfriend, now wife Natalie, over to the, the UK. A couple of girls on board as well, which we see as ball boys every now and then as well. Ball girls, sorry. Every now and then with the Rabbitohs. It must be great to have the whole family ensconced in the in the Rabbitohs broader family. Yeah, it is. Um, I think this is probably the one of the first clubs that we've come to where um, the family have been really welcomed. Um, and it, it, you know, a lot of clubs that tell you they're family clubs, but I think the Rabbitohs lived that more than any. Um, for the first 12 months, it was quite hard because they were still living in Brisbane and I was back and forth. But, um, and then obviously last year we had COVID. Um, but in saying that, the, the club have been outstanding. I know my kids are excited to wear, they're, they're hanging for the ball, they've got their ball kids uniform here. They're waiting for the, the go ahead so they can start ball kidding at the games up here as well, uh, which I keep pestering Sophie about. but yeah, hopefully NRL gets that back. Because for me, the, the girls have probably paid the ultimate sacrifice for my career and um, for them to be involved and want to be involved is is pretty special. Uh, and hopefully we can we can have a good run at back end of this year and uh, repay them for the things they've done. Uh, you know, we, we've moved probably six or seven times over the last five or six years and um, it's been a crazy journey, but, you know, I've been fortunate that my wife and Natalie and the kids have been right behind me the whole way. Very good, very good. And as uh, finally, as head coach, have you thought about goals for next year yet, or is the focus completely on getting the best out of twenty twenty one? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, there's a bit going on um, on the sideline, away from what's going on here now, and in terms of making sure that we're getting our preparation right for preseason. But um, you know, for me, it's it's about winning the premiership this year and, and making sure that I contribute the best that I can for Wayne and and for the boys and. Um, you know, I really see benefits of, of us doing that. Um, and then the knock-on effect that that gets with our play group and um, the challenges that that brings as well are, are, are different as well. So hopefully we can get the job done. And uh, I think it'll be pretty special in 10 years' time to be looking back and, and being involved in a premiership with Wayne. It'd be something that I think the whole club would, would cherish. And uh, I know the players are keen for it, but ultimately they're going to have their own motivations. And um, look, it's... It's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to 2022. I can't wait. But at the same time, I, I want to get the job done this year. Yeah, beautiful. Anything from, from you two gentlemen for JD? Oh, I was just going to say, JD, it's, it was great hearing about the whole panorama of your, your life story from playing and then into coaching and everything you did coaching. And the part I really liked was um, you know, you're doing it tough in England, and but you know, you just wanted to stick it out. And the part I liked most about it was the chips and gravy. I, I wouldn't have found that too tough at all. To be <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that called the Donato diet? <laughs> it's called the Donato breakfast. Were there any chip booties over there? Chip booties. Chip booties. Chip balm. Chip bounce. <laughs> 
Because in and around the place, we've got obviously Canberra staying here and uh, Elliot and Hodgson, and you can hear their families and their kids uh, talking around the place and that Yorkshire accent keeps making you think, gee, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad state of affairs. JD's just poured out his heart, his 20 year life story, and what I took out of it was chips and gravy. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> chips and gravy. Two white people listening aren't seeing it as a complaint because we're. Very good. Well, it's great to uh, delve into your backstory there, JD. Thank you for all your time. Hopefully you can stick around a little bit longer as we go through our second topic and we have a bit of fun and you can bag these two other blokes. I'm I'm on a moratorium. No one can bag me because I've got the buttons. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Righto, we'll be back after this short break. Now, unfortunately, the Rabbitohs merchandise store, the physical store, is still shut due to the lockdowns in Sydney, but you can shop online 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at shop.rabbitohs.com.au. So no matter what you're looking for in the red and green, we've got it for you. And Shannon, there's a whole range of stuff online. And what have the boys got in uh, this week that's new to the store? As we know, Jez, it's Women in League round this weekend and uh, our players will be running out in our Women in League jerseys and uh, they're proving very popular already, our Women in League jerseys on the uh, online store. So uh, as we've seen with lots of the other popular items, they sell out pretty quickly. Um, Jez was disappointed to miss out on a, on a Snugget and uh, Ella was disappointed to miss out on a, on a tent cover. But, um, <laughs> but but we've still got plenty of women in league jerseys, so I encourage everybody to, to jump on jump on and, and have a look. I think Ello's got, got a question for you. Where Is it true you're storing the snuggets at your place? Well, unfortunately, in the adult sizes, the Snuggets are all good and they proved immensely popular as well. But we've still got the kids' Snuggets in there. so Or just uh, sew five or six of them together for you. Yes. <laughs> or, or 40 or 50. You know, <laughs> um, uh, there's, still, there's still plenty of kids' Snuggets in there. But uh, as I said, seriously, uh, our merch has really flown off the shelves this year. So if you're interested in the Women's League jersey, I encourage everybody to get on there, have a look, get in early before, uh, in case they sell out. Excellent. Shop.rabbitos.com.au for any of your merchandise needs for the Mighty Rabbitos. Now, I've picked a bit of a difficult, uh, more difficult topic for this one. It's the top four unusual countries which our Rabbitohs may have played international footy for. We mentioned JD's stint with Canada and Shannon proudly captaining the Italian side and how that ever happened? <laughs> <laughs> Who would know? Who oh, would know? It was, a, it, it was a crack hot field. I've got to say, there was Craig Salvatore, who also played for Australia, played in the Italian sides. Nathan Brown, who's at the Eels. Mark Minicello, Jack Johns, uh, who was with us for a little while. There have been some great players that play for Italian, but for Italy, sorry. But um, I'm proud to say that uh, I'm the only Rabbitoh that's ever captained. I reckon you must be filthy on Dave Penner. 
Why? You never mention him. Oh, yeah, Mush. <laughs> and he's actually a good mate of mine. Uh, Dave and his lovely wife, um, Nat, his wife's name's Natalie as well. Um, yeah, he's a he's a great guy, Dave. I, that's an oversight. But thanks for pointing it out, Jez. We've also had young Mark Zarini that's played a bit of flag footy for us play for Italy as well, but we know Shannon doesn't get that get there that early for the footy, don't we, Ella? Yeah, yeah, well, there's too many uh, young Henrys and Garlow's pies under the belt to care. Well, one, thing, one thing Shannon asked, you asked JD, does he know the Canadian national anthem? I mean, Shannon doesn't know the Italian national anthem, but he certainly knows the national dish. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny because it's true. Pizza. I know, I know it very well. <laughs> what do you want to keep going Shannon, have you got any other Rabbitohs that have played for, for probably not the traditional nations around the world? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Uh, uh, a really exotic one is is Russia. We had the great Ian Rubin, who I had the fortune, good fortune of playing with, and I think uh, JD did as well. Rubes, fantastic fella. He he represented Russia, and he was actually a really good front rower in his day. He was, um, you know, just massive. He was about six foot four, just muscles everywhere and would just wind up and just charge into him rooms in his in his big runs. You know, I make him sound like this big rough and tough bloke, but off the field he liked the finer things in life. He used to go and get his nails manicured, he'd go and get a he wouldn't shave himself, he'd get a professional shave. His mother was a corporate banker, so he had his family had plenty of money. So he was a he Is that a rhyming slang? <laughs> <laughs> if so Hello, definitely a corporate wanker. Oh, a corporate wanker. <laughs> <laughs> he did play for the Chooks, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a milkman too, wasn't he, Shannon? Didn't he have a milk run back in the day or a couple? I think he did, yeah, when he in his early days when he first came to grade. Yeah, Rubes did have a milk run. He was and a fantastic company as well, and everybody still remembers him fondly. He lives overseas now, but I thought Russia and Ian Rubin was a, was a good one. Um, Ireland, we've had a representative from Ireland, and that's the big, the big huntsman, the big huntsman, Paul Edmund Nicholas, who worked, who played with us uh, in 99 when we got kicked out of the comp and was one of the only players to come straight back when we got readmitted in the comp. He's a South Junior, came all the way through. I, I played my football, uh, my junior footy with Paul, uh, played Harold Matz, SG Ball, great South Yeah, and he played for Ireland, yeah, he played for, he played for Scotland. Hey, yeah, you would think Nicholas Scottish name, but he's actually he's actually Irish, and um, yeah, he's proud of his uh, tour of duty with Ireland. I don't know how he played, but I hope it was better than how he played for South. Anyway, <laughs> we've got another Irishman too, currently at the club, the great James Hassan. Oh, yeah, he played right. for Ireland too at the uh, the same World Cup when Jack Johns so celebratedly represented Italy. Yeah, yeah, right. one game broke an arm out. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who did Craig Carrington play for? <laughs> JD, somehow Shannon works in his great mate Craig Carrington into every podcast, and we've worked out it's been. Is it a blind company, Ella? Shutters. He, shutters, he yeah. On the shutters in his house. So and Shannon's moving, into his new, Shannon's moving into his new. Shannon's moving into his new six-bedroom mansion of Vaucluse, so he needs <laughs> some shutters. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish I had some mates who had some breweries, and then I would be fucking going to the front and centre. And a shout out to Dan and Oscar at Young Henry's, fantastic fellas. <laughs> but 
So that's uh, Ireland and Russia. Uh, what are some other exotic ones? Well, we actually had a player who played for South Africa back in the day, and I um, I did Jez's trick and, and referred to the old uh, annual report and yep. um, former internationals. And Fred Anderson, he played for South Africa. So um, that's a pretty exotic mix there when you Russia, South Africa, <laughs> Ireland. You mentioned all the Italian greats and me heading up that pack, of course. Um <laughs> And then maybe I might just finish off. The just before you finish with South Africa, you obviously didn't look too hard because there's three of them. Oh, is there? <laughs> <laughs> there's the great Fred Anderson. There's Sean Skelton. Oh, I remember Sean. Yeah, Sean yeah, and, yeah and Alan Skeen. They all played for South Africa. Skeeny, oh, is, it, is yeah. that right? Old Skeen dog. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what era did he play in? Hello, what year? Sorry. Skeen, what year? What years did oh, he? You're come telling from? the story, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't. It wasn't during apartheid. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, I love to throw rocks from the sideline. I'm going to be. I'm going to be interested this week if he goes with his usual. Oh, you know what? I had all the ones that Shannon had. Let's yeah. see if he brings. <laughs> Shannon got all mine. <laughs> Shannon got all my ones. Let's see what he brings to the party this time. All right. right. So they're, they're they're my four anyway. Uh, South Africa, Ireland, Russia. And of course, the great Italians. Right over to you, Ella. Well, I've got the uh, the Burgess brothers that played for England. <laughs> oh, very exotic, Ella. What a thought went in that. Well done, mate. The great Paul Donato who played for Italy too. I <laughs> James. Yes, well, I was going. When you put the run sheet out, and I actually had a look at it this week, the top four we normally do is something that's new for each program. I mean, I don't know what episode we're up to, but we've, we've known Shannon's playing for Italy for 22 out of 24. <laughs> Correct. Which is, which is more, more, for, more than the first grade games I played too. I was going to say, that's more appearances than he made anywhere else. <laughs> Not as many appearances as the Chinese restaurant as the juniors. <laughs> I'm the Hall of Fame up there, Ella. You may have been able to represent China, Shannon. Yeah, I'll tell you one person who was going to represent Scotland was was um, Campbell Graham. Oh yes, at the, at the World Cup last year, and um, he didn't he didn't didn't uh, the the elimination games for the World Cup. Yes, so he didn't he didn't get to do that. I think he had surgery or something like that, so he didn't he didn't play. But that was that was one that's quite exotic for the for the game. But yeah, that that's yeah. You guys have got them all nailed. What about you, JD? Any Famous guys play with uh, Canada with you. Hang on, Jez. Hang on. Before we go off that, so Ella, you've had a whole week to prepare, and you come up with the Burgess brothers from England. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> got picked from Scotland. That's your, that's your top four of international. That's how the other ones. You already mentioned the. I obviously knew Ian Rubin. I, t- I spoke about him as the milkman, and he had Alan Skeen. Well, oh, yeah. South Africa. <laughs> I mentioned the other one. Shannon. You're paying a dollar four to say that, Ella. Shannon, 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 Campbell Graham Shannon. almost played with someone. Yeah. <laughs> That's only a half mark. So you one, one and a half countries. One was... of them was England. <laughs> oh, sorry. I got Craig Carrington wrong. I, that, okay? uh, <laughs> enough, I didn't get Reuben wrong. I knew you got your milk free every morning as well. But... Craig played for the independent <laughs> nation of Redfern. The sad thing is, Ella used to be a teacher. He's the only teacher I know who doesn't do his own homework. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
The teachers had those teachers' edition textbooks that had all the answers in it for them. <laughs> what an effort from LA. What are your best? What are your best today, LA? You went first, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours, that's right. I forgot. I, I still yours, yeah. Uh, just, I just hope your joke's better than your uh, exotic. <laughs> <laughs> JD, what about you? What about over in England? You must have played with some guys that might have played for Norway or Sweden or something. Oh. <laughs> I've been trying to think. Well, I mean, the best I can come up with is the great Alex Johnson playing for PNG. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who, who's played for exotic countries. We had the great Ed and A. Gebby at the Rabbits for a bit. Oh, Gebby, yeah. What was his name? Mad Dog, the winger. He's played for the Rabbitohs. Google. McDougal, didn't oh, they? Yeah. His brothers played for, <laughs> for Scotland, didn't they? Yeah, Allegedly. All, all time favourite Rabbitohs. Allegedly. Yeah. We had, did we mention Adam Dewey at Lebanon? Oh, right. yes. The great Robbie Farrah, international <laughs> Robbie captain. Farrah, yeah. It's good to see you charge your phone and the Google functions working. Hello, well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hello just muted his Zoom and just said, hey, Google. <laughs> hey, Siri. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, there's one one member of the Rabbitohs who would have loved to play for Lebanon, and that's Edwin Farrar. Oh, yes. He'd have loved to play. He'd nearly made it in Ostag, I reckon. He'd still be stretching for that now. <laughs> He's the greatest stretcher. We've had one game of staff touch, and it's never <laughs> been played since because... Eddie Farrow, the only bloke who warmed up and stretched tore his hamstring running down the <laughs> It was one of the great moments, I've got to say. Oh, what a dummy <laughs> stitch. Threw the ball down, stormed off the field, straight on the normal text. Oh, he dear. Missed, he missed three games as, as orange shirt, too. He did. He did. Yeah, that's, that, that's when we started our winning streak last year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they oh. can be um, they can be quite fiery, actually, the Lebanese guys, too, when things don't go their way. I, I heard someone say to me the other day, you know why Lebanese kids like going to school? And I said, why? He said, it's a bully. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, about food. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I've got some nominations for you. Let me throw these ones in for you. What about the, the nation of Greece? We've got the great... Peter Mamazelis that's played seven tests for Greece. Nick Mugius played for Greece. Chase Robinson also represented Greece. And uh, representing the mighty Rabbitohs sponsorship team, we've got Aristotele Tacticos that's also played for, for Greece. Big Telly. It feels he, like a right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether he played or he was the mascot, but it, did, it didn't say in the record books, but we'll give him a game. And then I also had the USA. We had Eddie Pettiborn play for the USA yeah. and also Junior Vivi. So they were always fun to watch at the... Remember the Sevens back in the 90s? Yeah. They were yeah, always yeah, fun yeah. to watch where they'd set up in a gridiron scrimmage formation and hurl the ball downfield and get called back for a forward pass. Not understand why. <laughs> I, say, Jeff, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a lot, but yours are a lot more interesting than Chatter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got to say, you know, mentioning the States and Junior Vivi, I was just wondering, did his mother have a stutter? <laughs> There's every yeah, very chance. Unusual <laughs> very unusual name. Very, that's a very good. That's a very good. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> right. Oh well. Let's see. With the World Cup being played next year, we might have some some new names for that list. So we'll check all that out next year. 
Now, Rabbitohs Plus, we've talked about it a bit lately, but it, it offers our Rabbitohs members and supporters great everyday offers for, for services that they use each and every day, from travel deals to home and contents insurance, credit cards, car insurance, home loans. We know Shannon's the number one customer at Rabbitohs Plus with his multiple home loans and even more multiple credit cards that he's racking up at the moment and <laughs> over in Vaucluse. <laughs> Please, please. <laughs> let me just say, you forgot to mention car loans, Jez, and um, now, now it's a episode we've got JD on as a coach. It reminded me, um, I ran into my old karate coach the other day, and he, he'd used Rabbitohs Plus for his car loan, and I, he was telling me about it. He said, mate, great rates, fantastic product, all the Rabbitohs Plus products for the car loans, fantastic rates. And he was a really good karate coach, and I said to him, oh, what car did you buy? He said, a Kia! <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, no. Sutton's won't be happy with you. <laughs> I don't do so. Uh, I don't do cares. Yeah, apologies. For oh, dear. There's another one we've got to censor, Jess. No, oh, no. <laughs> got to get the beep button out. I just can't get the image of you doing karate out of the head. <laughs> Well, mate, JD, funny you say that. I've got a story to tell you. I used to do a bit of coaching when I was young. I think Hello and Jez know this. I coached James' side when he was in the under-8s at Mascot. And one point during one game, um, I had to um, had to call him to the sideline. Sorry, mate, my phone's going off. Oh, here we go. I've, you bagged Hello last week for the phone. No, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I was coaching James' side in under-8s at Mascot in the local league. I just wanted to impress you with my coaching prowess, mate, you know. <laughs> One point during one game, I actually had to call James to the sideline. I had to have a word to him. I said, mate, as a coach, coach young men, I've got to explain to you. You understand what cooperation is, don't you, James? You know, you know what a team is. And James nodded his head and he said, yeah, 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 I know, Dad. I said, mate, you understand what matters most is not whether we win or lose, but how we play together as a team and we all play. Not so, you know, we... How we play, how we all work together as a team. He said, Yes, yes, Dad, I, I do understand that. I said, So I continued, you know, I'm sure you know that when a penalty is called, you don't argue with the ref, you don't swear, you don't attack the referee or call him an imbecile or anything like that. You know that, don't you? He said, Yep, yep. And I said, So when I call you off the field so that other boys get a chance to play, it's not good sportsmanship to call your dad dumb or a fat, baldy idiot or anything like that. You know that. James nodded. He said, yes. I said, well, good. Do me a favour. Go over there and tell your mum. Explain that to you. Or your mum <laughs> called me. <you. laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Somehow we've gone from Rabbitohs Plus and Home Loans to abusing junior coaches. So I don't know how we got there, but we got there. I just wanted to talk about coach. Actually, I've got a good story about coaches, JD. Snoop Dogg, you know, he got a vocal coach. And the first thing that the vocal coach said to him, he said, can you sing very high? And Snoop Dogg said, I can't sing if I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to say something yellow before you were interrupted by that terrible joke? JD JD said he couldn't imagine Shannon doing jiu-jitsu, but I'm sure he could as a sumo wrestler. I just wanted to know how many coloured belts you had to wear at once. <laughs> had them all tied together, I know. They well, called yours like... the rainbow belt. <laughs> I, had to, I had to put that belt on with a boomerang. <laughs> 
Oh, well, enough <laughs> enough of that, I think. Let's just jump on plus.rabbitos.com.au to check it all out. Now, our trivia question last week. What's the biggest crowd that the Rabbitohs have played in front of in their 113-year history? I'm sure we all know the uh, the day that it was, but can you guess the exact number? As Shannon refers to his run sheet. <laughs> Indeed, I am, but let's see if Ella's done his homework on this one. Uh, I just want to give you the chance to get something right for a day, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. I'll take that as a no, Ella. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> so, yes, it was the 2014 Grand Final Jersey Dames at Stadium or Stadium Australia as it is now. And it was 83,834 people. What um, a crowd. What a crowd. What I reckon 60,000 of them were in red and green too. Yeah, absolutely. The vast majority were. And the other 23,000 were in Northern Pride colours. <laughs> <laughs> the other 23. <laughs> but, but they... They left because they were chasing the bookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll jump into next week's question. We've gone way over time today. <laughs> What's the biggest winning margin in Rabbitohs history in first grade and who was it against? Now, the hint was it's back in 1910. It's 111 wow. years ago. So it was clearly one of the clubs that has uh, that was playing back in the day, one of the foundation clubs. So we'll go through the answer to that next week. But what's the what's, biggest winning margin for the Rabbitohs in first grade? That's a big effort, Jess, because the tries would have been three points yep. back then. Too. Yep, that's true. So it was a big effort, very big effort, actually. I'm hoping well, we look like we're a chance of getting past it a couple of weeks ago. But uh, let's hope we can keep piling the points on and uh, we'll come back with the answer to that trivia question in next week's show. Now, as it is every week, this fantastic podcast is brought to you by What If. So if you're looking for that next epic holiday, you're dreaming about getting out of lockdown and getting away, What If has some great deals on accommodation flights and car hire and plenty more for you and your family. And because they're the official travel partner of the Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on select hotels. Conditions apply with that, but JD, you must be looking forward to getting away with the family at the end of the season if all the, the lockdowns are cleared and have a bit of a break before you dive into 2022. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's The girls were talking about that the other day. I told them that, that they'll be on holidays when the uh, final series is on up here, so there'll be no homeschooling, which will be good. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, we can get back to some normality and, yeah, people can start getting around again. But, um, yeah, looking forward to a holiday, that's for sure. But hopefully it's to celebrate. Absolutely. Yes, speaking of Ello's family, Raylene and Josh and the, and the kids, and they're looking forward to getting away at the end of the year, getting away from Ello. They're not taking him on the holiday, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there was, there was, uh, yeah, when, when the families all came into, into camp here, there was a great uplift in everyone. And it was a bit like my house when I came up here. I mean, they thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I was going away. <laughs> Oh, very good. Uh, Jump uh, on. Hank, Sorry. Hank was upset, though. Hank was upset. I was oh, a little Hank. Yeah. He probably misses Marnold more than he misses you, Ella. Yeah, probably. Probably. 
young Michelle that works in the in the football department. She's the the dog babysitter when they pop into Redfern Oval, and I know he's made Hank's made a few visits to Marnold over the months before you came up to Queensland. So uh, jump onto whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. Use that code Rabbitohs15. You can save 15% on select hotels. Now, JD, this is where I have my finger poised over the button when it's Shannon's joke of the week time because it generally involves some sort of sordid behaviour or an attack on religion or something like that, and I worry about all of our safety at the end of it. <laughs> no, I had to choose I was thinking about, and I've gone for the milder version in deference to our, our upcoming head coach. I wanted to be respectful in front of him, but it actually does involve him, actually, JD and, and our lower... A true story? About, yeah, another true They're story. They're always and, a true story. Yeah, <laughs> Shannon, can I ask one thing? Yes. Just can you laugh at the finish of it, not halfway through? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let us know when it's done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ruthless. <laughs> now, it's a story about last weekend, obviously, um, the COVID restrictions in Queensland eased and the NRL sort of kept these on a little bit longer, but they finally relaxed them enough for the for the players and the coaching staff to, to get out. And after those COVID restrictions, Ello and JD were just busting to get out of the hotel, go somewhere different. So they went down the local surf club for a, for a beer and they went in there and there's a lot of people in the surf club. And as you know, in clubs, it can tend to be a bit of an older demographic in there. And they sat down and they're having their beer and Ello was looking around and he looked at, he saw, saw two old blokes and uh, other side of the bar and he says, oh, JD, you see? See those two old, scruffy, grey-headed, somewhat chubby old blokes across the bar? I reckon that'll be us in 20 years. And JD turns and says, hello, you idiot. That's a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's very clean this week. My heart rate's gone down, (laughs) amazingly. Right, we'll be back to wrap it all up in a second. Well, thank you everyone for listening once again. Jump onto rabbitos.com.au slash podcasts or Twitter and send us your topic suggestions that you'd like to hear us talk about here on the show. Please leave us a review and a, a rating and, and hit that subscribe button on the Rabbitos podcast network. And don't forget the other podcasts that we have on the network throughout the week, the weekly media conferences. That includes the players and also Wayne as the head coach at the end of each week. We've got the Rabbitos Insider audio version and we've also got Rabbitos Radio with Chaps Mavo and Brownie, they've been putting out some great content lately through the Rabbitohs Podcast Network, and it's always uh, I wait in anticipation each week to hear their show and the guests that they get on as well. So they're doing a, a great job. And, JD, thank you very much for your time. I know it's busy up there in Queensland, but thank you for taking the time out today to have a chat to all of our members and supporters on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network and the Top 4 Podcast. No, all good, mate. Just can I say a big thank you to all the women involved in our game. Obviously, unfortunate to spend some time with our women rugby league team this year. Absolutely loved every minute of that. They've given everything they can to developing the game there, but also to my wife and kids who I wouldn't have the career without them and to my mum and my sister. So we really want to celebrate that round this week and looking forward to showing our gratitude towards the women in league.
Very well said, JD. And thank you, Shannon and Ello, for your contribution today. One of our better shows, I think. It's been your absolute pleasure, Jez, hosting you. Thanks thanks for having us again. It was uh, very insightful having a good chat to JD. It's good to to hear the the story of him getting to where he is. And um, as as I always say, you know, we're very thankful the members and and all our supporters and fans who are who are riding the journey with us. Um, we realise they're doing it. And I know the boys and the staff are just doing everything they can to, to make it the best possible outcome that we can. That's the way to sign off, Shannon. That's how you do it. Okay. I was going to sign off with a, with a good story. One more quick story about the, you know, coaching and the Olympics with JD. But if you... I'll leave no, it go on. Go on. You've teased us. Oh, oh, well, you know, I just I was talking about the Olympics and we've been talking about coaching and it just reminded me of one of the stories I saw in one of the interviews. The Australian um, wrestling, Greco wrestling coach, he was talking about one of these um, wrestlers who was in the in the gold medal wrestling against the Russian who was renowned. Um, he'd won the last two gold medals in Greco-Roman wrestling and he had a move called the pretzel where he'd twist them and twist them and they'd... they'd if you twist it too far, they'd either have to tap out or they'd dislocate their shoulder and... Um, the coach was talking to his wrestler before it. And he said, don't dip your right shoulder because that's how he gets you down, gets his weight on top, and he starts twisting you. And it's the move's called the pretzel. He twists you like a pretzel and dislocates your shoulder or you're going to tap out. He said, whatever you do, don't dip your right shoulder or he'll be on you. So young Aussie wrestler, you know, he's got in there and he's got in there. And he's going really well. There's only about 30 seconds to go and he's just fatigued a bit. And he, he forgot he t- Drips his right shoulder, and sure enough, the Russian gold medalist is, is all over him. He's twisting him, he's twisting him in. The coach just thinks he's worked so hard for his year. He's gone. Nobody's ever got out of the pretzel twist, you know. He's got him in the pretzel twist, and he's got him over and over. And all of a sudden, somehow the Aussie just throws him off to the other side of the mat, jumps on him, and pins him for three seconds, and he won. And the, the Aussie coach, you know, he said to his said to his young bloke after the young Aussie wrestler, he said, How'd you get out of that? He said, Well, he said, I've never seen anybody get out of that. He said, well, he was twisting me and he was twisting me and I could feel my shoulder starting to go and I was in all sorts of trouble and I was ready to tap out. And he said, I saw a pair of dusters just pop out the tights, you know. <laughs> he said, oh, he said, so what you do? He said, well, I bit him. He said, oh, is that why he jumped off you? He said, no. Nah. He said, well, how'd you get him off him? He said, they were mine. <laughs> 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 was that your second option for joke of the week? It was, you yes. couldn't help yourself. <laughs> oh, oh, very good. Righto. Well, as it is each week, the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast is powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast. Powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If, official travel and parkways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What If, it's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the rabbit eyes.